My friends, this is a celebration Sunday for us, and we are going to be talking about the recent mission trip to Panama City Beach. In order to prepare you for the speakers that are going to come give their testimony in a minute, the team wanted to show you a video of, of what it was like and what kind of stuff we were doing up there. So we're going to start our testimonies this morning with Judy Berry. I guess what um, impresses me most about this church is the focus on local missions. I think from, um, from the very first time that we started coming here, I realized how much of our mission dollars are spent locally. And that's different than any of the other churches that I had been involved in before. And so when I had the opportunity to go with to Panama City, um, I wanted to join in. And it was a great experience. Um, I think my biggest question before we went was, who are these people we're going to help and what are the houses we're going to be working on? Who do they belong to? And that's also the question I got asked the most when we came back was, whose houses are these? And um, the answer is, we were in a neighborhood very like any neighborhood here in Bradenton. Um, smaller homes, single-family homes, and these people are people that definitely needed help. Um, many of the houses had been, appeared to have been totally abandoned. Um, some of them had been repaired. The majority still needed work. And the people that we were connected with, that we went to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> Um, the, the people that we were connected with to um, help were all people that some of the houses, I think it was pretty obvious to us, had not been um, well built or good homes to begin with. And these people had much, not much more than just the roof over their head to begin with. And after the storm, they didn't even have that. And um, they didn't have insurance, they didn't have any means to help themselves. I'm not sure if they weren't all veterans. I know that the program, um, AmeriCorps, that was who we were working with, I know that their big focus is helping veterans. So um, a lot of the homes, I think, the owners that we did get to meet, the owners were all staying in FEMA trailers or tra trailers that were in their front yard while their house was being rebuilt. And so that was just very gratifying to meet the, the owners of the homes and um, to hear a little bit about their story. And, but just the destruction and everything that needs to be done up there. I had never been to a um, hurricane area before, um, so it was my first time to ever go into an area that's totally devastated uh, by a tornado. Or, I'm used to tornadoes. I'm not used to hurricanes. <laughs> so um, um, just meeting the homeowners, I think, um, and the, the AmeriCorps employees, they were wonderful people. Um, they were fun to work with. Um, um, I think one of the, again, one of the things that um, I enjoyed most was meeting those young people, meeting, they had a heart for doing the job they were asked to do. Um, 
until I actually watched this video, which for the first time, I, I saw it for the first time now, um, I, it kind of seemed like we were sent to four different houses in four days and did we really get much done? But when I look at the pictures, it's like, yeah, we did. So, um, um, I think for me, one of the greatest things about going on the mission trip, besides meeting those people and having an opportunity to serve in whatever way we could to maybe bring a little bit of hope to those people, um, was uh, working with the other members of Kirkwood that went with us. It was fun to spend time with them. Um, fun, fun to make a bond with them that wasn't there before. And um, just to see the, all the individual gifts that, that people bring to a group and to the church. So um, I, I think the last thing I'd like to say is um, the day after we got back from the trip as we were driving to church, um, I noticed on 59th Street how impressive the trees were. And it was something that I had not noticed before. And then it dawned on me that in all of the trips back and forth across Panama City, there were no beautiful trees. All the trees were either gone or um, mangled, no longer pretty. So um, we take a lot for granted. And uh, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to go and to be part of the team. Margie and Chris, are you doing it? You're going to come together or are you coming separately? <laughs> They're always, they were always together on the trip, so we're not sure. This was my very first mission trip that I've ever gone on. The only thing I've done that was similar in any way was Paint Your Heart Out Tampa Bay, which is just a group of people. I went with a bunch of friends and their workers, uh, their work had uh, donated money. And um, sorry, I should have brought tissues too. That video made me cry a little bit. Um, so uh, that was pretty much just painting the outside of someone's house who needed help. They were, it was not a great neighborhood and the house was really in disrepair. Um, other than that, that was the only thing I've ever um, done in that realm. But I've heard like Chris talk about his mission trip to Belize and hearing other people talk about their mission trips. It was something I wanted to do. And um, with all the negativity in the world, it really makes you feel like, you could step in. It really makes you feel good to, um, I don't want to talk, I'm shaky. All right, go ahead. Say what you feel. It's just heartwarming. And it's a feeling that you're like, gosh, come on. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, to me, the mission trip is a great experience. It, it really is. It, if you can take your time and your resources to go to somebody else's place that they've been devastated, it's really an amazing feeling. It, it, it really is. Um, and think about it, nobody really knew about Michael. I mean, it, I didn't know anything. Until you get up there and actually see what happens, it's like, it, it really is. It's amazing what Mother Nature can do. It, it's really devastating. So. For all of us to go up there and do that and, and get as much done as we did, it's an amazing feeling. And, and you, you build bonds with people that we went together with. 
that was one of the reasons I went. I wanted to get to know Pastor Hope. I, I listened to her preach every day or every Sunday, and, and, it, and it, it brings us closer together. Um, and, the, um, and just to see everybody working the way they did, Caroline running the skill saw like she'd been doing it her whole life, and, and uh, seeing Margie and, and Pastor Hope putting baseboard down, caulking, nail gunning. Me and Dick were painting all day, and, and Marge or Midge and, uh, and Fran were doing baseboard. And just, just to see everybody busy and working and, and giving that kind of effort, it, it's, it's heartwarming. It really is. It, it, it's, hard to put, it's hard to put into words. Um, and, the, um, and there's a lot of damage up there. It needs to be done. And, and that's the, the biggest part is people have left that area and are coming back. I mean, there's buildings that still have structures that are damaged with trees on them. And it's, it's, it's really, really tough to see that. This is our country. This is our state. And, and people are just, it's easy for people to forget. So it, it, it really is to get out of your realm and to go to a different place and to do something different. It really gives you perspective on what's really in, important in life because we take so many things for granted. We're so used to our little lives and how, how easily they can become. And, and you get, and you, it, it just, it's really a beautiful thing. It really is. Um, and, um, um, and the homeowners, yeah, the stores, a lot of the stores that people have been able to rebuild, they can't find people to work them because so many people have left and they're, and they're not coming back. And it really is a sad, sad, sad situation. So hopefully we can all get a chance to go up there. And I'd like to encourage some of the, some of the younger men in our congregation here um, that we could use some muscle up there to go up there and, and, and maybe make a difference in somebody's lives. I know we were only up there for four days, but to meet the homeowners and see it in their eyes how much they appreciated us coming up there. And they don't know us and we didn't know them, but to see the warmth and their tears in their eyes and how it felt to them for some people that were five, 600 miles away to bring our, our lives up there to help them. And it really, it, it's an amazing experience. It really is. And, and until you do it, it's hard to really put it in words. And, um, and the people that I went with, I mean, just amazing to get to know them and to hear their stories and spend time with them. You know, at the end of the day, we'd sit around and have prayer and, and talk and, and get to know each other because we come to church every day and say hi and shake hands. But how, how really well do we know each other? So it, it really is. It, it builds bonds that, I mean, I know Caroline and Hope now, and it just, it really, it just makes me feel good inside. It makes me feel more a part of the church, and it just, I'm just blessed that, that I come here every Sunday, and I have all these beautiful people around me. Really, I, I love you guys. Thank you so much. Well, he pretty much covered everything I was going to say anyway. So, just a, just a few more things that I was I was thinking is yeah, there was so much more devastation there than you could even imagine. And that could have been us. That's why it's just in Irma. That could have like been our neighborhood. A lot of people they were like their insurance didn't cover like partially. They only covered like a couple thousand dollars for the roof. It was going to cost so much more. So, a lot of that was very. Uh, People that didn't have insurance, yeah, they didn't, they didn't have, have a lot of money. Yeah, but you some people did have insurance, the or they lapsed by like three days, and their insurance wouldn't—they yeah, couldn't tough, get man. insurance it's after These that. So, no um, if anybody like we, I was working in the bathroom with Judy, and we came out, and they—I can't believe how much work was done. You guys got kicked butt. We did. And we, that we that, hard. that one house, yeah. And um, what about the furniture at that one house? Yeah, we were moving furniture and all that too. We the, pulled the they, furniture they away from the wall. 
behind the bed. On the furniture, on the wall. People are living, sleeping in this stuff, man. Yeah. It's really tough, man. It it really is. Yeah. But if anybody ever has, like, wants to do anything like that, the accommodations at this place, because I think you guys are planning on doing another one soon, the accommodations were amazing. Oh, it was great, yeah. The only thing that I recommend is that the mattresses were a little bit not that good. So a, a dollar store raft would be good or an air mattress and poopery. <laughs> poopery is important. <laughs> Thanks again. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> All right, my friends, let's talk about what it means to be at the ends of the earth, because that's what the scripture is talking about this morning, that we are called to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. So what exactly does, does that mean? And um, here in Bradenton, sometimes I will visit with friends of mine that live uh, over 75th and Manatee, and you talk to them and, and you say, oh, you know, I go to church on Cortez Road, and they're like, oh, that is so far away, so far away. That is the ends of the earth. And then some people, they think about the ends of the earth, and, and they think about those remote and desolate places that, that you can only imagine in your dreams. But at the time of the writing of Acts, North America wasn't even a twinkle in the eye of possibility, and the ends of the earth couldn't have possibly been any further than the sea and the horizon behind it. So we're not going to all agree on what it means to go to the ends of the earth, but we can agree that Scripture tells us that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will we will be witnesses to Jesus Christ. Now, there's a mandate there. It's not an option. It is a mandate, and it matches up with Jesus' words at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. You will go. You, you will go and make disciples of all nations. So no matter where it is that you think the ends of the earth are, you've got to go. You, you've got to go. You've got to leave the confines of your own personal space and your comfort zone And go and be a witness to Jesus Christ. Now in Acts it reads, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now when Jesus spoke those words, he was in Jerusalem. It's right where the people were. So we're supposed to be witnesses right where we are. Now he also said, and in all of Judea and Samaria. So if Jerusalem is Bradenton, then Judea is Manatee County, and that means Samaria is what? Sarasota, maybe? Samaria was that place where fine, upstanding Jews did not want to go. They wanted no part of it. It was one of those places, and we all have those places. You know where they are in your life. You drive through, you lock the doors, you try to get through as quickly as possible, or you just don't even go at all. Because those places are places unknown. They make us uncomfortable. Samaria was a place that we were called to go and be witnesses in, just as we were called to be in Jerusalem and Judea. But that's not all. And, and, says Jesus, to the ends of the earth. And that and makes a huge difference because it means that it's not an either or. 
situation. And many of us like to think that mission is an either-or situation. It's also not a first, second, and then situation. What it means is all of the above. So wherever it is that you go, and you must go, you will get to be a witness. And that means whether that's in Washington, D.C., or Walmart, or Western Samoa, God is going to go with you. He is going to send you the power of the Holy Spirit, and you are going to be a witness. Now, when Carolyn and I were originally planning this trip to Panama City, we had an interesting discussion about how where we would go would ultimately determine who would go. And the general rule of thumb is, especially when it comes to church mission, is that the more exotic the locale, the more interest there is in going, which is very true for a certain demographic. It tends to be a younger demographic that is just as overcome by the spirit of wanderlust as they are by the power of the Holy Spirit. But this trip was happening during the school year, and it was happening with a team from the retirement capital of the world. So staying in state was definitely a good way to go. Though I must tell you that I had more than a few ho-hums from my colleagues around the country who take teams all over the world. Still, though, I have to admit, I was a little uncertain about the need to go because it seems to me that if you're going to go and stay in state anyway, you might as well just sleep in the comfort of your own bed. Be a witness to God having had a good night's sleep. But you do realize, though, that Florida is a big state. We are a big state. We're so big that there's actually been places in Florida that have had snow, real snow. So Panama City might as well be a whole world away from Bradenton. The night that we drove in, we hit about a 45-mile stretch of highway with nothing on it. Miles and miles of trees, not palm trees, but evergreens, slanted at a 20-degree angle. It was the first witness we saw to God's awesome power and mercy because those trees were bent, but they were not broken. And that is so true for many of the people that we met in Panama City. In the the seven-hour drive up there, I got to thinking a little bit about the last hurricane scare that we had here. It was Hurricane Irma, and I'm sure that many of you remember it. And I remember Sung and I going back and forth about whether we stay, whether we go, what do we do, and ultimately we decided to stay. But the catalyst for that belief was that even if that storm hit us dead on, knocked out the power, destroyed homes, that it would only be a matter of time before help would arrive. Surely people would come for us. And I guess I naively assumed that we Floridians stick together and we show up for each other when the chips are down. Imagine my shock when we got to Panama City and discovered that we were the first team, at least on behalf of the Presbyterian Church, that had showed up in months. At Gulf Beach, they they have a guest book that chronicles every team that came to serve, and I noticed two things. We were the first team to show up since June. So that's four months where nobody came. The other thing I noticed is that very few of the teams were actually from Florida. When the sun came up the next morning, we were driving to the work site, and on the calendar, it was a year 
and a month since Hurricane Michael came through. And most everywhere that we went looked like the storm had just hit the day before. Piles and piles of debris and wood and glass everywhere. Houses completely abandoned. Roofs missing from megachurches. An entire Section 8 housing plot completely devastated. In the midst of this emptiness, there were these help-wanted signs everywhere because, you see, Panama City supplies most of the service industry for the resorts that are Panama City Beach. But when you have no place to live and no options for living, you can't afford to stay on a minimum wage job. So it is possible, brothers and sisters, that Panama City is the ends of the earth. And yet, even there, we found people in need of the good news of Jesus Christ. There are things that happen in this world that we, especially as Americans, like to imagine happening someplace else. It doesn't happen here where we live. It happens someplace else. So can you imagine a world where a man wakes up on a concrete slab morning after morning in a pool of his own blood? That's what happened to Mr. Jordan for almost three months. He and his wife stayed in their home after the storm, not by choice, but by circumstance, sleeping in the middle of a house where there was, there was still a few walls intact and a little bit of the roof. But night after night, he would get these horrific nosebleeds, and there didn't seem to be an explanation as to why. And finally, a doctor determined that the mold and other environmental hazards were just too much for his system to mitigate. And he and Mrs. Jo Jordan ended up sleeping in a travel trailer that has electricity but no running water. You saw the picture of their refrigerator, which sits in the middle of their driveway. They take showers at the neighbor's house across the street. This was a family that needed some good news, and the news that they needed was God has not forgotten them that they're not alone, and that God is actively working for their welfare and well-being. But I want to tell you a secret about mission trips. People assume that mission trips are all about physical stuff, all about labor and, and repairing homes. But it's not just that. It's not just that because there are people who live on the margins at the end of the world, and I believe that God chose our very specific team for this specific location, not just for people in need of physical help, but for people who are struggling with their faith. Presbyterian Disaster Assistance partners with a group called the St. Bernard Project. And it is a wonderful nonprofit whose mission it is to shrink the time between disaster and recovery. It's staffed primarily by young people in their early 20s, most of whom, at least the ones that I encountered, are not followers of Jesus. So the St. Bernard Project is used to working with corporations who mandate community service for their employees. You must do this as part of your job. And in the beginning, I think that they were a little unsure and even a little bit uneasy about what they were going to do with a group of people who actually wanted to be there, who, who felt an inner compulsion to be there. And our team was able to give a gentle and tangible witness to the goodness and love of Jesus Christ. When we showed up at the Jordan's house, we arrived to find 20 other people who were already at work. And when I hit the front door, I could hear, this is for the teenagers in our congregation, 
I could hear Travis Scott's sicko mode playing loudly on the stereo inside. And I really wasn't sure, I was not sure how our team was going to handle that. Well, one by one, the entire team went to work. All morning long, aside all of those young people, song after song, and they never once went and changed the station. And every day, after a very long day of work, these people would see us pray with the homeowners. And they would see the homeowners tear up. And so by the last day, one of these young people who was employed by the St. Barnard Project started asking me about our team. He was very curious about why we were here and, and what, what is our church like and why is that different from other churches that, that he's seen. And then he started trying to find, asking me, find words to ask me about Jesus Christ. And, and who is this Jesus that compels us to serve and love? Our team got a lot of work done that week. I'm not going to deny that. And a lot of lives were changed. But there is one life, one life, maybe by the power of the Holy Spirit, that got saved. Right before we left, I, I asked Midge to see if she would ask this young man if we could pray for him. I didn't want to do it myself because you know the pressure that comes on you when the pastor asks you to do something. So Midge asked, and he accepted. And when I said amen, he just wiped these tears from his eyes, and he went to give Midge a hug, and he hugged every other member of our team, and you could just see it in his face that he did not want us to leave. When you show up at the ends of the earth, you have no idea what or who you are going to find. So in that sense, the ends of the earth could actually very well be Walmart. And Walmart, I remind you, brothers and sisters, is three blocks away. So whether it is that you are going to go there, or to Nebraska, or to Cuba, you must go. You must go. You must show up because by the grace of God, you are the witnesses to the hope of Jesus Christ in a world of extreme trial. And Christ, Christ was the one who showed up to this world when we were certain that we had reached the ends of the earth. Let's pray together. Lord God, we, uh, we are all called. If we are following you, we are following you to the ends of the earth no matter what that looks like. So we pray, Lord, that, that rather than sit around and, and decide who went further and who went faster and who went to someplace better, get us all started just by going. Just by going out there to see a world that needs the hope of Jesus Christ. Bolden us with the power of the Holy Spirit to be the bearers of good news to the world, to the ends of the world. In your name we pray. Amen.